Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. A priority of possessions over perfection. The events in our text is found not only in Matthew, but also in Mark and Luke. And I think it's a fitting closing to our theme for the month of biblical reverency. During the first sermon of the month, one of the definitions that was given about reverency is priority. Now the sense of this English word is something I think we need to really grasp. A priority is something which is regarded as treated as more important. It's something that takes precedence over other things. It is something that must be dealt with before anything else. Most of what we prioritize are not life-threatening. But that's not the case in our text. This young man in our text couldn't decide or couldn't determine what should have been his priority. And he made a decision which, if unchanged, will be a matter of life and eternal death. It's important that you understand the background of this text. It's where Jesus centers his concern on little children. All three of the gospel accounts bring this point out that people begin to bring little ones to children and we children to Jesus and we have to imagine these were under seven years old. They may have been older. The parents wanted Jesus to lay hand on them as a rabbi or a believed to be prophet because this was a traditional manner by which someone of authority, some holy man would pass a blessing down from one generation to the next. And since the miracle of Jesus had become widely known, there were a flock of parents bringing their children to Jesus. Brandon, we can learn something from that, that it needs to be a flock of parents bringing their children to Jesus or to learn about Jesus. But that became a problem. In their desire to protect Jesus from all these little children that was coming around, the disciples began to rebuke the parents. This not only displeased Jesus, but it disturbed him very much. The rebuke of Jesus is perhaps one of the sharpest ones in the Bible. Jesus explained that the kingdom of heaven belonged to these precious little ones. Their instinctively trusting nature and their youthful attitude qualified them to be kingdom kids. But it's the event that took place afterwards that was a sharp contrast compared to these children. 
The individual in our text at one time had been just like these little ones. I imagine Levante that he gave his life to the Lord when he was very young, but he was one of those that went astray. As he grew up, the things of the Lord no longer was a priority to him. But as he began to search himself, there had to be something in him. For the scripture record in the 16th verse of Matthew 19, these words. And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life, that I may have eternal life? We don't know how old this person was, but from the other accounts, we know that he was young, he was rich, and he was in some position of authority because they call him in some areas ruler. And notice this, his actions showed that he had a desire to be saved. Don't miss this now. While his desires were right, his theology was wrong. These words, good things shall I do, imply self-effort, human works. And thus, like, unlike the, the little children that had a trusting and innocent nature, he began to trust in things that he could do. What must I do? Jesus responded in verse 17. And he said unto him, Why callest me good? There is none good but one. That is God. But if thou would enter into light, keep the commandments. After clarifying what good was, Jesus spoke of an impossibility to lead to a possibility. What I mean by that. No one can keep the law. No one can keep these commandments. What Jesus told him was just virtually impossible. That was why Jesus came in the first place. Not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it because we couldn't. The law is still in effect. I mean, it says in the Holy Writ, the wages of sin is still death. But for those of us who have accepted Jesus as Savior, the requirements of the law has been satisfied. That's the possibility. We are now under the law of grace. Thus we are declared righteous in the sight of God. But the young man had only been taught what was in the law. And this confounded him. This confused him. This gave him some anxiety. So when Jesus said, keep the commandment, he wanted to know something. So verse 18, he said to him, which? Which? And Jesus said, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
But the young man questioned a witch was not without validity. You see, the Ten Commandments was given to Moses at Mount Sinai. But God gave Moses additional law when they was in the wilderness. As time passed, the rabbi, the priest, began to add more laws for their own convenience. It is estimated by the time this young man questioned that there were 614 to 627 laws. So he won't know which one. The young man wanted a priority list. Give me a list of which one of these 600 plus laws is the priority. Now, of those 600-something laws, I want you to notice that Jesus only quoted five. And those were from what we call the Ten Commandments. But the Gospel of Matthew, different from the other ones, it has an implied law that sums up all five, and you'll find it in Leviticus if you're interested in looking it up. It was a commandment concerning loving one's neighbor. And a key part in this particular scripture is as thyself. This will strike at the young man's heart later on in the text. After giving a list of commandments, Jesus told him fire and the young man was glad to hear that he responded in verse 20 the young man said to him all these I have kept since I was a little boy I kept from my youth what yet do I lack those five ain't no big deal. I got them. What else? What else is on that priority list? Isn't it amazing that he said he kept all those, but he still sensed that there was something lacking in his life? The original language in the Greek for that word like is failing to meet requirements, falling short of standards. There was a spiritual vacuum in this young man's life and he knew it. It was like there was a deep hole inside his inward being that he wanted to feel. It left him feeling empty and incomplete. And sensing his need, this is how Jesus responded in verse 21. Jesus said to him, if Thy will be perfect. Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Can I read that again? If thou wilt be perfect, go. If you will be perfect, sell what you got. If you will be perfect, give the money that you gain from selling what you got to the poor. If you will be perfect, 
Come and follow me. Somehow we miss the in-between. And thou shalt have treasures in heaven. So in this should become where do we want our treasures to be? Here on earth when it will just soon dissipate. Or in heaven. I mentioned this morning in Genesis. We, we get focused on things that we can see, we can touch, we can feel. But just like us, these things are going to pass away. Mindful now that when Jesus used this word perfect, he wasn't speaking of flawless behavior. This particular Greek word perfect is very complex in the Greek language, but it has a sense of attaining or attainment of purpose. To obtain a purpose. It's best interpreted as being whole or wholeness or completeness. You see, the remedy for this young man vacuum was to go and sell and give and follow. Sometimes we can all stop at every one of these things that trip us up to go, to sell, to give. And some of us can do that, but to follow. Verse 22, but when the young man hurried the encouragement to go sell, give, and follow, he went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. You see, Jesus revealed to him that he had a lack of priority. You know, we, 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 we got a problem with this thing of priority. When I, when I was raised up, everybody made education a priority. David, just go on and get your education. You'll be all right. Now the priority is oneness. Seek yourself. Be what you can be. The young man's earthly possessions took precedence over his spiritual perfection with God. The fact that this young man left the master sad proved that he really hadn't kept the commandments at all. He was unwilling to sell, give to the poor, show that he did not love his neighbor as himself. So I would say to young folks today, don't fool yourself. This young man's possession made his life comfortable. They gave him a, a sense of power, prestige, and security. So when Jesus told him to go and sell everything he owned, it touched his sense of priority for security and identity. So what does this mean to us? This passage teaches us that we must not let anything, anything we possess or desire to possess keep us from following Jesus. We must remove all barriers and hindrance from us and serve the Lord fully. If you have something that you prioritize ahead of the Lord, 
You have shifted from what God wants to what you want. And it would be better off if you got rid of it. The other day I was praying God about this message and I was listening to something on radio by Charles Stanley and none of it makes sense. I said, now Lord, I know you don't told me to look at this. What in the world? This don't have nothing to do with what I'm going to say Sunday. Then all of a sudden I heard Dr. Stanley say this. We can go to church every Sunday. We can sing all the songs. We can give our tithes and offerings. And we can listen to the message and say amen. But if our party, it, priority is not devoted to Jesus, our coming is in vain. Why, why couldn't this young man trust Jesus to fulfill this emptiness? He went to church. He stated he obeyed the commandments. You see, a key ingredient was missing in his worship experience, in his religious activity. And the writer of Hebrews helped us to understand what that missing ingredient was. Hebrews 4 and 2 says this, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard them. This young man's religious activities and his worship experience was not mixed with faith. So the question is today, do you young folks and you young at heart folks, is your worship mixed with faith. If not, your worship experience is missing something which will make you feel empty and incomplete. You may feel okay now, but what about midweek? Everything that the preacher said don't have an impact on you. Why? Because you're missing a key ingredient, which is faith. Okay, okay, okay. Let, let me just go ahead and make this real to you. Let's, let's just say we go on cook a meal because it's a birthday party for somebody. And we, we want to make this cake and we want to make it perfect. We're in the kitchen. We got the flavor. McCormick, we got the best guy. We got the milk. We got the eggs. We got the sugar. Got the butter. If it's not, and then we put a little baking soda in there. Some people might even want to put a little bit more. But then we got our little secret ingredients. You know, some of the people, we wonder why some of the cakes don't taste good there. Some of these good cooks got that secret ingredient. What did I say we got? We got the flour. Did I say that? No, we ain't got the flour. That's a missing ingredient. Somebody picked up on that. See, 
You can have a flavor of milk, egg, sugar, butter, baking soda, all that secret ingredient. But if you don't mix it with flour, you got a failure. Y'all, y'all ain't got it. Okay, it's old-fashioned day. It's old-fashioned day. Glass, let's just cook some collard greens. We're going to put some ham off in them collard greens. We're going to have us some butter beans. We're going to have us some fried chicken, uh, cubio. But, but, but with collard greens, we need something else, don't we? We need some cornbread. So, so let, 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 let's just say we're going to cook some cornbread. We got our oil. We got our butter. We got our salt. We got our eggs. We got our baking soda and our baking powder. And we may even have a little secret ingredient. But the cornmeal is missing. So if the cornmeal is missing, instead of having meal, you got a mess. See, some of us come in here and we want the preacher, the choir, and all of us to just lift us up. But you're missing that Korean ingredient. Your priority is wrong. You came because it's the last resort. And I'm going to end with this, Brother Brandon. Because I'm an individual that really like to have everything in order. I, I try to have everything in order. And it wasn't necessarily my military background, something my daddy taught me, that I always had something. If this don't work, what you going to do? But I got some news for you. When God is your plan A, you don't need a plan B. What's your priority? Let us stand. We wasn't there in this service today without an invitation to discipleship. And I know a lot of people came for different reasons today, and that's all right. Some people just came to dress. Some people came to the to wish Judine and Ernest well. And that's a good thing. But I want I want to make sure that when we get to the point that we meet Jesus, we know Him as our Lord and Savior. So if you read with me the sinner's prayer on the screen. One, two, three, read. Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God, whom is raised from the dead. I confess that you died for my sin. Please have mercy on me and forgive me and come and live within me this day. Now, evangelism team, if you'll take your place now. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.